Hi, thanks for joining for another episode of the Global Mindset, Connect Globally and Innovate. Here today, uh, my name is Nita Nagubari, and here today with Eric Kempel from Chicago, and he has many titles, so I am very happy that you were able to join us today. Thanks, Eric. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Nita. And one of your uh, one of your titles is you're the president of Rotary Chicago, Rotary Club of Chicago, also known as Rotary One. And then also, I know you have your own company, consulting company, also. Correct. Focused on uh, engineering and, tr- and transportation. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, would you like to tell, share more about yourself? Uh, introduce for the audience here, who are from, by the way, all around the U.S. and around the world, too. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, as you know, Nita, I love having a global audience, so Mm -hmm. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, So as you said, my name is Eric Kempel. Uh, I am the president of the Rotary Club of Chicago, uh, which is the first Rotary Club on the planet, which Mm -hmm. uh, from which sprang every other Rotary Club, all 36,200 countries around the world. So we're quite uh, proud of that, and I'm quite uh, honored to be uh, here as president of that club. Um, I also, as you indicated, I run my own firm, Kempel International Transportation Consulting. So there's the international yes. word again. Yes. Um, and uh, what uh, we do is uh, transportation planning and policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we help agencies, primarily public sector agencies, some developers too, but we help them figure out uh, what their long-term transportation needs are, uh, putting together long-term plans, how to get the money to pay for those plans, uh, and, and so on and so forth, um, as well mm-hmm. as uh, government government policy relating to transportation. Now, uh, my background on how I got to, to that point in my mm-hmm. career, if you want me to talk about that Yes, a little please. Bit. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I know you have, a, you have a vast background, too, so it sounds like definitely interdisciplinary. Yeah, very, very much so. So my, uh, what I studied in, in college, and I went to, to Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I studied civil engineering, uh, specifically mm-hmm. focused on transportation systems and I minored in urban planning. And mm-hmm. most of what I've done in my career has been pretty pretty much in line with what I studied, which I know is kind of rare these days. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for most of my career, I have been a transportation consultant. Uh, now, now going off on my own like this is relatively new in the last year and a half. But for most of my career, I worked for a company called Cambridge Systematics. I was a principal of the firm, and I was uh, the regional manager for the central U.S. Okay. And in that in that role, you know, I had done so many different things. I mean, when you're a transportation planner, you're not just an engineer, you're not just an urban planner, but you're an economist, you're a finance major, you're oh. a public policy person, you're a political scientist, uh, you know, you're working with with government, uh, you're you're working. You're a behavioral psychologist. You're trying yes. to understand yes. what what makes people choose a mode of transportation. What makes them travel? What makes them decide to pay this uh, for this fare, but not that fare? You know, you have to understand oh. how people make decisions and why they make decisions mm-hmm. in order to influence uh, uh, the transportation system, the demand in the system, um, mm-hmm. to influence public policy, and so wow. forth. 
Okay. So it's really an interesting array of different yes. things we, mm -hmm. we do in this in this field. And mm -hmm. as a consultant, I was fortunate to be able to work on on projects uh, all over the United States, mm -hmm. many different states and yeah. cities, transit agencies, a lot of work for the U.S. Department of Transportation, guiding federal transportation policy in the U.S., but also globally. I, I uh, did projects in Cairo. I was in oh, Cairo wow. during the Arab Spring. Um, okay. I did a project in the Philippines, their national transportation plan. I helped to set up a company office in Delhi, oh, uh, really? which you may not, you may not even know that. No, I didn't know that. I'm uh, learning some things here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. Yeah. So very exciting. Um, and then a couple of other roles real, real quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a program manager at Amtrak for a few years. Uh, leading the redevelopment of Chicago Union Station, which is about a $1 billion suite of projects. Right. Just uh, trying to get that implemented. That's huge. Third, very huge, yeah. It's the third busiest station in the United yes. States, well under capacity or over capacity, I guess, and uh, pretty outdated. So a lot of work there. And then the other job that I had, that's, which is very interesting, is I worked for the South Korean government wow. for two years. I was a government employee uh, in, really? a, yeah, in a transportation planning okay. and policy research institute there, which did okay. all of the planning work for the government and also supported some of their foreign aid, foreign uh, technical assistance projects that the Korean government was funding. So I got to work on uh, some projects that they were funding, like for a railway line connecting Thailand to Myanmar, for, for example. Oh, wow. Got to visit okay. there multiple times. Worked with folks in, you know, in Vietnam and mm -hmm. uh, Malaysia and Japan and, uh, and so forth. So that wow. was another very interesting job. And I even got to go to North Korea as part of that, in fact. Wow, so. okay. Uh, and you, so, wow, there's so much of, um, travel in your life also too so you work with transportation industry but then you've also done this abroad too yeah. and um how how did you find yourself so you lived in cairo philippines delhi in south korea were you in vietnam you visited for some time yeah and and just to be clear um i while well, i spent a decent amount of time in some of these places most of them i i didn't live there. Okay. I, I've lived only in South Korea for two okay. years and I did live in Japan for a little bit as well. But the okay. other places I just visited for business, yeah. for meetings and spending some time on the that's, there. That's fascinating uh, being able to do that. The flexibility that you have also in your own um, work style and I think adaptability is something that did you grow up with that or how did that come about? You know, that's a, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know that I've thought about that from that perspective as to why I'm, I'm that way, but mm -hmm. I, I think I've always been a pretty flexible and mm -hmm. patient person yes, just in, yeah. in, in general. Uh, it's just kind of my, my personality. Yeah. Um, and I think that that helps yeah. because I, I'm happy to sort of sort of go with the flow and, yes. and kind of be a win in Rome, do like the Romans. Yeah. And, when and, in Korea, uh, do you like the Koreans? Do you like the Koreans, exactly. Uh -huh. And uh, and I, I think that that's always served me well. Yeah. And, and it's probably why I was selected as 
the individual within my firm to be to be doing all this international work for, oh, for example. That's, right? um, that's a good point because not everybody can just pick up and go like that. Not only right. uh, due to you know other logistical constraints in somebody's family, but also just thinking of the transition uh, work styles and just moving somewhere else. So that's that's interesting. And the social side as well, yes. because you really have to be able to connect with the, the people in other countries yeah. on, a, on a cultural level and a social level Absolutely. as well, right? Just like in any workplace, even here, you know, you have to interact with your colleagues and you have exactly. to get along with them exactly. and people don't want to work with somebody they can't get along with or they don't like, right? Exactly. Because um, you got to see them all the time. And so... If you're trying to work with a client in in Cairo or, or in India or mm -hmm. Japan or, mm -hmm. or whatever, and you never want to eat lunch with anybody because you can only go to McDonald's, right? Um, yeah. Or you don't want to engage in their form of after work social activity to get to know mm -hmm. the, the the folks. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be really limited in yes. what you can do and what you can achieve. You know, that's a great point because in some cultures, that is part of the relationship building is that socialization that's occurring outside. And there's not such a strict line between work and um, personal. And that's about a relationship building and building trust, which is essential to the work that you do, right? To understand yeah. the needs and then to understand the motivating factors. Right. Yeah. That's the behaviors. exactly right around yeah I, so i think I, I would sort of summarize it as uh, adaptation is the key to survival <laughs> exactly and i think you mentioned another exactly that's a great point especially in today's world that's why that's what motivated you know the start of this um series and also um the research in this area because not everybody is like this that can just pick up and go somewhere so we can show them the you know people that have done this and how they can maybe be inspired to do this also. You mentioned also a quote earlier today in the Rotary meeting um, about diversity, something about the IQ. Uh, also, there was an interesting aspect of how when you have, are exposed to diverse thoughts that your IQ is raised, 80 yeah, points well, or something. Yeah, so so what, he's, what our speaker today at Rotary uh, said, and he was the gentleman who, uh, for your listeners, uh, basically started a program fos uh, focused on bringing uh, autistic individuals into SAP, the company SAP, mm -hmm. and really trying to leverage their their skill sets in in other folks with with various uh, you know various neurological conditions and yes. other things. Where, but they, where they still have amazing skill sets in different areas. Mm -hmm. And what he said was that, you know, it was so important because these people were bringing in different perspectives. And he said having that diverse, like a truly different worldview or perspective, he said, was worth the equivalent of 80 IQ points. And, and mm -hmm. I think what he was saying is like, that's sort of the trade-off. Like, if you get a person that's like super smart, you know, genius yes. with an IQ of 200 or 220 or something yeah. like that, right? Uh, but who has sort of the same basic worldview that you'd rather take some, you could take somebody with 80 IQ points less than that, but has a different perspective. It will add more value 
to your organization. I think that's the absolutely, point that yeah, today. definitely, and that's yeah. Jose, Jose Velasco, right, from the um, Work Ambassador Autism at Work Ambassador at ASUG, Americas SAP Users Group. SAP, yeah, SAP mm -hmm. User Group. That's um, that's a really good point. In the research, you know, that I did, it um, showed that people are more creative when they're exposed to other cultures, and specifically around the flexibility. Um, fluency also but flexibility is I think that part of being able to see things from different perspectives really that um, that I think you bring that to Rotary also I want to learn more about that so we already touched upon Rotary but you have done a remarkable job thank you for you know everything that you're doing as the president this year especially in this challenging year that we've had as uh, through the pandemic and all the conversations on social justice too, you really you know guided that, and we've had, I think we've had every meeting so far, maybe even more more people in attendance through this. So thanks for that, and just want to learn more about your Rotary, you know, journey and anything you want to share. Yeah, sure. It's it's a good question, and it's one of those questions that's a very it's a very typical Rotary question in yes. the Rotary world. Yeah. People always said, "What got you into Rotary? Yes. Right? What's your yes. Rotary experience?" Um, and it's always fascinating to hear uh, from from other folks about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think quite often what I hear is um, maybe one of two things, right? Either that individual's parents. Uh, mm -hmm. or grandparents were yes. Rotarians, right? So it's a family thing and they were exposed to that. Yeah. Uh, or as a youth, uh, they were part of some sort of uh, rotary program, like ah, an exchange program yes. or something. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I run into are in that, are mm -hmm. in that boat. Okay. But in my particular case, you know, I, I, uh, um, I grew up on the, the southwest side of, of Chicago and in, in the southwest suburbs as well. And um, my my ancestors are, are all all blue collar, you know, no mm -hmm. no college education or mm -hmm. anything like that. And so, I was not exposed to volunteer organizations, community organizations, service groups, or or any any clubs of elks, lions, and any of this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So it was all pretty foreign to me, and and probably I would have gone through my life without necessarily being part of any of this stuff. Oh, okay. uh, if it hadn't been for my wife, uh, oh, yes. when I met her uh, in, in Korea, and she's the reason that I eventually moved to Korea to, to work for the Korean government. Okay, I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I met her while I was uh, traveling on vacation, actually, okay. uh, for 10 weeks around the world, mm -hmm. Maybe, which maybe is another story for, for yes. conversation. Yeah, later. definitely. Uh, Love to hear but that. I was... Yeah, so I was traveling for 10 weeks, met her in, in South Korea, uh, but she was a Rotarian. She was the treasurer of her club, just a small club in right. Seoul, mm -hmm. uh, and she's the one who uh, started telling me about it, mm -hmm. and, um, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll be very honest, I'm somebody who's a little bit, can be a little bit skeptical about organizations like this, Yeah, um, you know, even even organized religions and things that are sort of maybe have a little bit of a feeling like like that, I can mm -hmm. be a little bit skeptical. And so I started out uh, sort of the same way, like, okay, that's that's great, but, uh, you know, probably not not for me, even though yes. it sounds like they're doing good work. Yeah. Um, but when we moved back to the U.S. and we moved to Chicago, uh, my wife went to Rotary One because we're in Chicago, and she's like, well, if you're a Rotarian, you've got to go to Rotary One. Yeah. 
And, and she comes back afterwards and is trying to explain to me that there was some guy who came to speak and everybody was, you know, standing and applauding. And, and after going through all this, I realized she was talking about John McCain. This was 2008. Oh, and John okay. McCain was there. Yes. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, this organization is getting some pretty amazing speakers. speakers yes. So she finally convinced me to walk the two blocks from my office. And two blocks? Attending, yeah, at that time, two blocks, and to the Union League Club of Chicago and attend a few meetings. Quite and a sacrifice. Good thing you did it. I know, right? And, and so, uh, you know, of course, I, I realized that, yeah, the speakers were, were fantastic. I got yeah. to learn things. And, and also, it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't a cult. It wasn't this scary yes, group yes. of people that mm-hmm. were sort of cult-like yes. or anything else. Yeah. They were just normal, nice people of a variety of professions. Yes. And I learned something not only from the speaker, but because it was the one time of the week where I would be around people who were not of my profession. Almost oh, any yeah. other group I was part mm-hmm. of, any other meetings, seminars, professional stuff, professional societies. I'm around other engineers, other yes. planners, yes. other policy folks. But suddenly I'm around, you know, I'm around psychologists yes. and doctors yes. and mm-hmm. uh, financiers and all of these mm-hmm. other folks. And so it, it was it was very enlightening. And despite the, 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 uh, um, the history of the group and the size of the group, everybody was always welcoming. Yes, me. yeah. Exactly. Oh, thanks for Yeah, thanks for sharing because Rotary I also thought that by the way too that it's this, you know, group of people sitting with different hats on <laughs> initially when I heard right. the word Rotary like Alex, right. and then then I learned more about it and um, until I joined, you know, I also didn't know much and then the speakers as you talked about just sharing a variety of of topics every week even yeah. now also and rotary rotary club of chicago since it is the founding one the first one it has i guess like a sort of you know tradition and and mystique also too really impressive and um i don't know like that that's also during the year this year also we've been able to expand even the speakers um through the year because it's that limitation of space wasn't there of getting on a plane and coming to the meeting right no i i think you're you're spot on with that that's uh like like anything and you would know this i i think from your your pmi world yes right um when you have various risks that you identify you know you figure you have you have both positive and negative risks Mm -hmm. in in a way right and you're trying Mm -hmm. to take advantage of the, the positive uh, risks while mitigating the uh, the negative exactly risks. and I and I feel zoom uh, and the, the the pandemic is sort of like that there's certainly plenty of negatives we were working to yeah. to, to mitigate yes right but uh, on the flip side of that there were all these other things which mm-hmm. we just jumped on to take advantage of Absolutely. and you hit on one of the things that yes. we never could imagine of imagine because you're right you had for a speaker to speak at our club, they had to be in downtown Chicago yes. on Tuesdays at lunch. Yes. Which sometimes exactly. was a barrier even for people in the Chicago area because yes. they couldn't get from their, their job exactly. or their office mm-hmm. to downtown to be a speaker. Um, and now, as you know, we've mm-hmm. had speakers from every continent yes. except Antarctica um, yeah. be, <laughs> be, you know, be our, our speakers. Yes. 
Yeah, so. exactly. And also the guests, too, in attendance from all around. They're coming and joining now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is definitely one of the upsides. It has definitely been. You've you've also done some amazing projects. And during this year, too, even just picking up and Rotary is the oldest service club, you know, the for the organized service right. club of the world and how right. uh, that is also an opportunity and a call to action in a time like the pandemic also, too. And you're the president of that club during this time. So how did you you know, organize around that, anything that you're most proud of, you know, you still have a, a few months in your term, but I just want to hear about that. Yeah, sure. As Thank, we're still in the pandemic. You know, we're still in the pandemic, and yes. we're still in my rotary year, so yes. uh, still stuff could happen in the next two months. We'll yes. see. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but I think to answer your, your question, I'll, I, th there's a few different things, but let's, let's sort of start from the, the beginning, which yeah. I think is the strategic plan. Yes. So um, that is definitely something I'm very proud of, yes. uh, putting together a strategic plan for this club. As far as I know, it's the first real strategic plan we've put together, maybe ever. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I don't know if they had one in 1908 or something. You know, I, I, you know, my, my archives. You would have seen it. My archives. I think you would have um, seen it if it existed. You may be right. Yeah. You may be right. And some of the prior, th there was a prior strategic plan, but it was, you know, it was a page with a couple of bullets on yeah. it, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So so this was a real strategic planning exercise with outreach, looking, you know, surveying our members, focus groups, one-on-one mm -hmm. interviews. Yes. And we really put in a lot of effort with a strategic planning committee mm -hmm. to put together a strategic plan that would guide us through the next five years. And, and obviously, like any strategic plan, starting with what is our vision, what are our high-level goals, but... But some yeah. strategic plans will stop there, and I wanted this to be something that was really implementable and actionable. Yes. Yes. We have specific strategies tied to mm -hmm. these goals, Yes. Um, and so it gives us a roadmap, right? There's a whole imp implementation structure to the strategic plan that says this is how we implement it, this is how we report back to our members, and so forth. Yes. And I, I mean, at any time, a strategic plan is good, Yes. but before had the fact that we finished this mm -hmm. right as the pandemic was starting yeah. was just absolutely perfect yeah, because exactly. we didn't have to think at all. We just looked at the plan and said, well, what did we say we we're going to do? And exactly. you just start checking things off the plan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's a few things that maybe we weren't able to do because of the pandemic, but most of these things we've been able to focus on. So that yeah. I'm, I'm proud of the strategic plan. I'm proud of the fact that we've been implementing the strategic plan, and every time I'm, every quarter I go in and I'm able to check off a few more things that we've accomplished. Absolutely, uh, it, it absolutely pleases me. Exactly, uh, yeah. And you're bringing your for people that don't know, uh, PMI is Project Management Institute, and so you're you are a project management professional too. That's one of right. the one of the tools that I'm sure you use a lot in your workplace, and you also brought it to Rotary, and I yeah also appreciate you did a lot of outreach too i think you made sure that everybody was part of it it was very inclusive yeah. even outreach to people on the phone also too and had right. subcommittees that did that as well too so it was really um it was really good um you got a lot of insights to that and then also i uh, wanted to note uh, what we talked about prior uh, to the call is about this digital social media also too and online you've been also doing uh, putting that plan, I think that was a key part of your PR. PR marketing was not there before, right? That's 
that's that's right. Yeah, that that would have been my next my next item, absolutely. And that mm-hmm. again, it, it sort of stems from the strategic plan because yes. people identified this as an issue that we're as a club not telling anybody in the universe about what we're doing. Yeah. So how can you expect to attract new members if people don't know what we're doing? And even internally, people didn't always know what was going on. So yeah. PR and marketing became a really big focus. So that is definitely one thing that I'm very proud of mm-hmm. because we were kind of starting from, from zero almost mm-hmm. on that. And we established, yes. of course, the PR and marketing committee, uh, which you are co-chair. And we yeah. um, obviously have implemented yes. uh, a ton of good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always, every you know every month I'm pleased to see just the number of views yes. and how many yes. new friends we have. Yes, on exactly. All of these social media platforms. Yeah, it's We're been a, it's it's been interesting and fun, and also it's been really important during the pandemic again to communicate out. And I think our all of our meetings are streamed on Facebook also too, Correct. so people can join Correct. on there from all over. Um, if they didn't even register in time, also that's they can right. just pick that up. That's and right. then on LinkedIn, we post it, and on Instagram. So that's really good that it's been able to be inclusive just like rotary is intended to be anyway too right yeah. right and if i can say if yeah. i can squeeze in one more please thing do that, yeah. I'm, that i'm proud of yes um it's again stemming from the strategic plan there was a huge desire for hands-on service yes right yes. and so i i really made a concerted effort to find as many opportunities as possible there to be hands-on service and and I, I think we've had more hands-on service projects this year during a pandemic than we have any year since I've been a member of this club yes uh, so I am I'm proud of that um, some of those I'm were the food related and also you've yes. done you've done a, a multi-city project as well too right right with the first five rotary clubs in the world uh, yeah. we we packed and distributed hygiene kits for the homeless uh, across five cities and that was uh, in total uh, 10,000 hygiene kits between the five cities that's amazing because it can also bring um, bring about projects that don't have the overhead that we need sometimes when we have to work with uh, maybe the official channels in cities so rotary can do yeah. things with of service connecting together across cities towns anywhere right and that, that's too. right that's right. I mean, with 36,000 clubs around the planet, that's uh, a lot 36, of 36,000 is amazing. What yeah, What is. would you tell people about, um, you know, going back to, you know, you you are an entrepreneur. Also, you're, you're using so many different um, knowledge of different subject areas. And you're also, it seems like you are, have um, a curiosity and your willingness to learn. So how... How do you recommend that for people? Because I believe it also sets you up for success, and it's also um, probably um, re- coming past the fear of trying something unknown too. Because yeah. sometimes, I mean, that's naturally there when something new comes about too, uh, and then yeah. it, you're able to convert that into something you know bigger, successful, or even just going beyond that. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, maybe I will, maybe I'll break it into sort of two suggestions yes. or, or two recommendations. Yeah. Uh, the first one is just the general concept of continuous learning. I, ah, I think I yes. see far too many people who I think they they graduate and mm-hmm. they're sort of like, okay, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm done, done, done learning <laughs> yes. now. 
Yeah. Um, and and the re- the reality is is you should just be continuously learning whether mm-hmm. whether it's within your profession or or something within mm-hmm. society around you or, or technology. Yeah. Right. I, I've seen plenty of times, and I and I don't mm-hmm. claim to be an expert on all platforms of technology. But mm-hmm. if I see that something clearly it has value and people are starting to use it within mm-hmm. my industry yes. or let's say for rotary or whatever, yeah. yes. I, I mean, I, I have a real problem with somebody who, who will say, ah, no, I can't learn that. I don't want to do that. It's oh, like, yeah. well, I think that's that's not the right attitude to, to have, yes. right? Uh, you always need to be learning these new things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about if we were, you know, when telephones were new. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna say like, ah, this new newfangled telephone? I'm never gonna use a telephone, right? I mean, it sounds yes. silly now, yeah. but that's what it's sort of what it's sort of like. I, I mean, maybe it might be hard, but but you, being you, open, you just need to constantly be be learning. Yeah. So that's the first the first thing, right? Is sort of mm-hmm. continuous learning, um, and then the, the the second thing is, um, I think you know, you, you were hitting on like trying new things, for for example, right? And what I think back to, and this gets back a little bit to your your question earlier about what made me, you know, Mm open-minded. I I think back to trying new food. Ah, yes. I'm glad you touched upon that. (laughs) Anything, right? Yes, yes. And um, a little little back history about about me, maybe it's too much information, but when I was a little kid, um, I was terrible with eating. I mean, mm. I was just super picky eater. eater. Okay. I would just sit at the table for two hours and like not want to eat my food. <laughs> and I would only okay. like want to eat this thing and not that thing. Yes. And my, my dad was constantly, you know, working, working on me <laughs> to oh, try to okay. overcome this. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, there were a few times where we, we went, we went uh, to different, different events or restaurants or, or particularly uh, taste of Chicago. I remember this. Oh one yeah, yes. Chicago. Maybe I was eight, mm-hmm. um, and of course I wanted to try like a hamburger, ribs, or something, mm-hmm. and and you know very typical for an American hot dog. But, but yeah, hot dog. But then uh, you know there were, there were two things there that were sort of particularly in those days pretty unusual, and one yes. was a buff, a buffalo burger, oh, like yeah. buffalo meat, oh, which okay. is is completely. You know, normal, but but to me, as yeah, a it was kid, de- definitely days, not the ordinary days. thing you get at McDonald's yeah. or something. And right? then the other one, right? And the mm-hmm. other one was alligator soup. Yes, um, I've seen that. Right, and and so again, as the picky eater, I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And and then he finally convinced me, probably a fair bit of pressure, <laughs> uh, to at least take a bite yes. uh, of each. Oh. Well, and guess and guess what? They were totally delicious. Oh. And it didn't kill me. Wow. And, and it was like it was like something flipped in my brain oh. at, at that exact moment where it was like this realization that hmm. not only did these things not kill me, they were tasty. That was the, the, the first and second thing. The third thing was, wait a second, how many other things out there might be totally delicious that I'm missing because I don't oh, want to wow. try them? Okay, right. that's so and, good. Yeah. And a little bit of, and the fourth thing was, a, as a kid, right, a little bit of bragging rights when you go mm-hmm. back to school on Monday and you're like, do you know I had alligator soup? <laughs> and the and the kids are like, well, oh my God, you ate alligator? That's so amazing, right? Wow. Yes. So and, you and need so, to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. And and so that sort of opened my my mind a little bit, and and so the extent to which we can kind of 
push ourselves a yes. little bit. Yeah. Even if it requires something looks a little mm-hmm. gross or different mm-hmm. to what we're used to. Yes. You know, to turn up, turn off your brain for a moment. Just be like, and just try it. Try one bite. That's what it's not going to kill you. Try it. And I feel like that, you know, that opens your brain mm-hmm. to try other things in life beyond food as well. Absolutely. That was, that was a very great explanation and story. Thank you for sharing that. There, so the perception was something different when we hear about, for example, alligator soup. Uh, and and what that reminded me of is that um, that concept of the psychological readiness to recruit new ideas is what you yes. you did by priming, you know, that that exercise primed you for that. And then right. you, you overcame a threshold. And I often think that um, all of these um, psychological, you know, developmental experiences that we have are, are similar to the f- physical ones where we do the continuous repetition of something and then suddenly we start to see the results at some point there's a turning point even with physical exercise if people ever train for a 5k or anything like that then so one one day you'll start to see that shift occur and that's uh and there's a certain amount of priming and consistency like you had with your with your dad you know that's that took you there and did this and i think before that too so that's that was perfect representation of this um, that psychological concept. So thank you for that. Fantastic. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know what it was called. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that's wonderful. And and now, um, in in Chicago, um, after the pandemic, I have one que- a question for you: Is where would you go? Uh, you know, outside of Chicago, because I do know you travel a lot within Chicago as a foodie, right? And by the yes. way. If anybody wants a food recommendation, restaurant recommendation, follow follow Eric, right? And his <laughs> wife, too. They, they definitely know a lot in Chicagoland. Yeah. We do try to get around. Mm-hmm. I, I, getting back to the idea of, oh, I might be missing something. I always fear if I'm not trying new places, I might be missing some delicious restaurants. Yes, yes. So better try them all. Yeah. But, um, so your question was, uh, where where am I going next? Yeah, well, that's an easy question to answer okay. because because the the plans are are, are already already made. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, good, good. In 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 mid June, mm-hmm. uh, when I when I had booked time with my wife to be going to Taipei for the Rotary International Convention, oh, yeah. which was subsequently canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, we just des- uh, we decided at my my wife's insistence that we still travel somewhere because you know, yes. we're gonna go somewhere yeah but you know, with COVID we want to go someplace where you can socially distance mm-hmm. um, yeah. going to a big city in Europe probably doesn't make sense now because everything's gonna be closed yes. it's gonna be a little dead yeah and, and not Could to mention here. if you leave and if you leave the country right you never know if there's gonna be something weird going on with the COVID rates oh and yeah. You have to be quarantined for some time, right? Right. Yeah. So we wanted to stay domestic but mm-hmm. do something exotic. Oh, okay. So we're going to Alaska. Wow, that is yeah. that is exotic. I was trying to think where would the exotic and domestic <laughs> be. Wow, okay, great. Yeah. And it'll be in yeah. June, so I don't know what the weather is like in Alaska in June, but it'll be it's, beautiful. It's, yeah, it, it, it should yeah. be. I mean, the weather in Alaska apparently is always quite variable, and so you can't really escape that. But it will be light all the time, which will which will be nice. And it's beautiful. So I, I could go there. hiking at 3 a.m. if I wanted to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not That's... that I will, but... Oh, it really? Okay, it could be that. Yeah. Okay. Between that, it's just sort of like a dusk kind of level of, of brightness. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. 
I, I, I've seen pictures. It's beautiful. I have not been there yet. So, uh, and I would also like to point out that Alaska happens to be my 50th state. Wow. Um, okay. So really? I feel like I maybe saved the best for last. That's amazing. How, by the way, I know maybe you can share this next time. That's that's incredible. I don't think I've met anybody that has done 50 states. <laughs> so. Well, you still haven't because I haven't gone there yet. Okay, so but 49. I haven't even met anybody after. that has done 49 states <laughs> even. So already I met you, right? So and that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I really. I, I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Good. I was just going to say, because I think you were about to, to ask, uh, um, you know, that, that, that how did I get to, to 50 states? And yes. I, I, it's it's really, uh, I, you know that I like travel. That's, yes. that's pretty obvious. Yes. So that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And then the other part was just through work, I've mm -hmm. had the opportunity to also hit a, a lot of states that wouldn't necessarily have been sort of on my, my tourist list or on my bucket list. Yeah. But uh, I was able to get to them because of projects, conferences, mm -hmm. uh, business development, and, yeah. and other things. Wow, yeah, I think mine may be, you know, not even half of that. So that's, that's impressive. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing about that trip, too. And then I was going to ask you how many countries, but we can do that in the next episode. <laughs> too, okay. Because that, that may not be a question uh, ready to answer, because you already listed several uh, in India. I even heard wow. India on there, too. So that's I really appreciated our conversation. I knew there was a lot you know, to talk about. And I know we just touched upon so many areas too. So thanks for sharing and, you know, your background, but also sharing a little bit of some tips for other people too. I always learn something, um, you know, when I talk to people, I know I learn from your, our, your conversation as well too. So thanks again, Eric, for your time and sharing this. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for, for having me. I yeah. enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. And if people want to reach you, by the way, you, they, you have a website or how how could uh, people reach you or email or something? I can post it with this as well. Too, yeah, you can mention yeah, sure. anything. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anybody is, is welcome to reach out to me. Uh, my email address, uh, I'll give you my Gmail address. Yeah. It's E-R-I-K dot C-E-M-P-E-L at gmail.com okay excellent and I, my, oh, yeah, my work website and i have a work website yeah. for my company mm -hmm. if you're interested in transportation consulting services mm -hmm. it's kempel itc that's c-e-m-p-e-l-i-t-c um uh, uh dot com sorry <laughs> yeah we'll share those things eric yeah we'll share those links up with this podcast too and that way anybody who sees it and then it goes to other uh, platforms as well too yeah that sounds great so we'll that just sounds great thank that. you thanks thanks eric well enjoy the rest of the day hopefully we won't get any more snow <laughs> thank you, and see I, you i hope that as well thank <laughs> thanks Deepa.